Headwaters is brought to you by the Glacier National Park Conservancy. Picture a National Park Service ranger station. What does it look like? Maybe a big log cabin with a mossy pitched roof and a creaky screen door? Glacier does have plenty of those, but my office is in park headquarters, which has some strong mid-century middle school energy. And working here, I'm always happening upon obsolete relics of bygone eras. Handwritten memos, ink stamps, a fax machine. I haven't found a typewriter yet, but I wouldn't be surprised to find one lurking in a drawer. Only a few decades ago, people in this building used those things all the time. But like a lot of people, many rangers' jobs have changed pretty dramatically in the last 40 years. Mine definitely has. But in this episode, we're spending a day with a ranger whose office, equipment, and duties haven't changed much at all in 40 or even 100 years. Can you drag this dead goat out of the waterfall? That's a weird one. The marmot's living in the toilet again. Meet wilderness ranger Laura Funk. She has long, sandy blonde braids and bright blue eyes. She wears the park uniform with a little mud on her boots, and she loves to laugh at the absurdities of life in the backcountry. I immediately want to be her friend. My laundry is a bucket with a metal plunger that people call an Alaska Maytag. And I think it gets the clothes cleaner, but I don't think people necessarily think my clothes are clean. Alongside her colleagues, General and Tank, both horses, and Ellen the Mule, Laura helps steward and patrol the Belly River Valley of the park. Yeah, if someone were to say, like, picture a historic ranger station in an iconic valley, it's Belly River. One of her favorite things about the Belly is that there are no roads. So unlike the rest of Glacier's ranger stations, you can't drive here. The Belly River Ranger Station is located six miles into Glacier's wilderness. You either have to hike in or ride a pony. I interviewed Laura in the ranger station, but also while she lugged gear around and rode a horse, who occasionally took an interest in my microphone. Would you like to be interviewed, General? Hello, hello. (laughs) He went for it. Is he going to eat it? Just sniffing. We have... Two rangers, myself and Allison, the commissioned ranger. There's a trail crew, which varies in size, two to four. And we have three head of stock, and that makes up our entire staff. The Belly River Ranger Station is a brown log cabin, a Park Service specialty, with white window frames and a flagpole out front. It sits between a creek and a wide-open meadow where the horses graze, and its covered porch faces west towards steep-sided rocky peaks. It's a very traditional scene, and so is life out here. So I live off-grid. I live in a one-room cabin with a propane stove, and we do get running water for a few months of the season. Otherwise, we have to haul our water from the creek. Uh, I do not have a, a bathroom connected to my house. I have to walk to the outhouse. Yeah, I mean, you start to lose track of time and age and everything out here. Some of that kind of stuff fades away because then you're like, is it 2020 or is it 1920? There's elk running around and there's a fence that looks just about the same. I'm reading books and hauling my water from the creek. When I tell my friends I work for the Park Service, I think this might be what they picture. 
But in a lot of ways, the agency is looking to the future, trying to modernize our infrastructure, lower our carbon emissions, and tell our stories differently. Parks have podcasts now, for example. It seems like a vestige of the past to come to the belly and see Laura still riding horses, packing gear on mules, and living in the backcountry. And honestly, I wonder how long this way of life, this type of ranger, can last. But I know I want to experience it before it's too late. I'm Perry, and you're listening to Headwaters, a show about how Glacier National Park is connected to everything else. And today, I'm tagging along for a day in the life with the person who might have the coolest job in the park. All right, today we've got the horses and mules saddled, and we're going to head out, take care of a ranger business. Today's ranger business is going up toward Helen Lake to pick up and pack out some leftover supplies. Michael and I walk in front of the stock while Laura rides, since apparently they prefer to follow us. Come on, keep up with the humans, keep up with the humans. Apparently, horses have abandonment issues. So even though we didn't really need both Tank and General, everyone came along for the ride. All right, how does everyone feel today? Okay, good, good, yep. For most park staff, our ranger business is pretty specific giving a campfire program, studying plants, managing the park's budget, making a podcast. But for Laura, almost anything could be her ranger business on a given day. I am like, I'm a wilderness ranger and I'm specially trained on the wilderness act and wilderness values and character. But in the end, my day-to-day is a lot of general ranger duties, whether it's bear management, EMS, maintenance, pulling weeds. There are specialists for each of these things. Bear biologists, search and rescue, trail crew, invasive plant crew. But Laura and other rangers like her pitch in to keep things going day to day. Well, it takes a whole team to manage Glacier, right? That's why we have the experts. And so I'll call them in if we have something major. I can fix a toilet, but if the whole outhouse goes down, I got to call trail crew. A lot of people talk about the quote, jack of all trades, master of none. But the full quote is, jack of all trades, master of none, better something than nothing done. And that's kind of what I live by out here. And this is much the same as the ranger business that rangers have been doing in the Belly River for decades. Take this entry from an old logbook in 1994. September 14th, 1994. Patrol with Bob on stock to Elizabeth Lake Head to deliver additional gear and supplies to the trail crew. Dug out the fire pit and replaced the campground map with an updated version. Also pulled another handful of hawkweed. Chuck Cameron. Every day when Laura gets back from the field, she writes down the day's activities and events in a big green government-issued logbook. She and her predecessors have been doing this since the earliest days of the ranger station here. From Chuck, 30 years ago, to some of the earliest Belly River Rangers, back to 1929. June 5th, 1929. Station to Red Gap Pass and return. Distance, 16 miles. Mounted. Object, cleaning trail and looking over trail conditions. 
Game scene. One mountain goat, two deer, one elk. Weather clear. Temperature, 41 degrees at 7 a.m. Joe Himes. But these days, this type of work is becoming more and more rare. Even this ranger station used to be staffed in the winter, but hasn't been for a long time. Spots like mine that are remote are, I think there's less and less these days. Glacier has only a handful of wilderness rangers and just a single backcountry ranger station. And throughout the Park Service, these kinds of places and the people with the skills to staff them are disappearing. In addition to all the odd jobs Laura does, a huge part of her job is talking to park visitors, most of whom are on multi-day backpacking trips. As we hiked up the trail past Don Mist Falls, a scenic and loud waterfall, we ran into our first hiker of the day. Hi there, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, where are you coming from today? Helen. Helen, how was it? Beautiful. Good. I think it's probably the best view out there, maybe. Yeah. A lot of people say it's their like, favorite. She asks where they've been and where they're going. Cool. Do you have a permit I can take a look at? Oh, yeah. Helen, Glenn's goat oh, hunt. Cool. What a great trip. I know. And she'll chat about their trip, making sure they have what they need. Any questions about anything they covered in the permit office? No, I think I'm good. Hopefully this, uh, the, the food gets lighter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every pass will be easier. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, have fun on your trip. Belly River is my favorite place, but Goat Haunt's second, and you're, you're going to both, so. And sometimes they have something more unusual to report. You know, maybe they saw a bear or a wolf or something really interesting that I can then report to the biologists. Or, you know, like I was saying, they often will report whether the food hang pole's damaged or... The marmot's living in the toilet again. Uh, <laughs> Most days, though, she patrols, checks the campgrounds, gives the pit toilet a once-over, makes sure food is stored properly, and gives a helping hand where it's needed. So every once in a while I come across a food hang and it's not high enough. Most and... backcountry campgrounds have a food hang pole where you toss a rope over and then pull your food up, securing it 10 feet off the ground, just high enough to keep it away from curious bears. Oh, hi there. How's it going? Yeah, I just lifted your uh, hang because it wasn't the 10 feet. Yeah, sorry about that. That's that was okay. my first bear hang, so. Oh, okay, well. Not the prettiest. <laughs> it's okay. Just make sure, like, if you notice I had it all the way to the top. Do you mind showing me what knots you did? Yeah, I'll show you. Today, Laura uses her educational ranger charm to teach a camper the best knots for the job. So I use the form of a trucker hitch. Okay. And so then what I do is I come through. It's about six miles from the ranger station to where the gear was stashed for us to pack out. So we had plenty of time to chat as we walked through the forest and along the choppy turquoise waters of Elizabeth Lake, with colorful Seward Peak and the sheer ptarmigan wall beyond. I'd never been to Montana before I got this job. Yeah, I'd worked at Olympic as a wilderness ranger intern in college, and I always thought I was going to go back there. But then I got this job and was like, oh, I guess Glacier's my place. 
So did you always think about being a backcountry ranger or working for the Park Service? Was that always something you were interested in? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> I went to a liberal arts college and my major is American studies. And I had a thesis that focused on public land history, but I took that summer internship at Olympic and realized that well, this is what I need to be doing. This is where I'm happy and it makes perfect sense that someone who loves history but wants to work outside would end up working here and living in a log cabin. So if you're talking to me about Glacier Belly River, I often go into the history part versus anything else. Is that part of what drew you to to the Belly River? Uh, definitely the like history and the legacy of Belly River. Um, having a mentor, Chuck Cameron, that worked here in the 80s and 90s. Uh, he got to share a lot of his experiences out here and the experiences of his mentor. So continuing on that legacy and preserving the ranger station, the institutional knowledge, passing that on, is something that really drew me to Belly River. Chuck is one of the voices you've heard reading logbook entries from his time in the Belly River in the 1990s, along with one from Joe Himes in the 1920s. Both were rangers in Glacier for over 40 years. A long line of rangers connected by the tools they use, the horses and mules, and the way of life that makes up this job. It's definitely a connection to the past. We're using similar Decker saddles on the stock. That technology hasn't changed much. <laughs> yeah, we're using the same tools. I mean, literally some of the same tools that have been around for a long, long time. And yeah, we're patrolling the same trails different experience day to day, but they were doing patrol reports. We're still writing in the log book every day what we got up to. September 22nd, 1992. Patrol to Stony Indian bench today to pull the three plank bridges for the season. Went up there with a wrench and came back with a wrench, a Pulaski, old wire, a huge tarp, an empty Southern Comfort bottle, an old 10-pound syrup can, and a fishing net. Quite a haul for one patrol. South winds, 67 degrees at 19.30 hours. Chuck Cameron. And so, yeah, what are we packing out so today? So today, we are packing out old parts of an inverted U food hang. It's not a difficult hike to retrieve the old food hang pole, but all the same, I'm glad I'm not being asked to add a 25-pound chunk of metal to my pack. So the reason we're having the ponies do it is because this would be more awkward for a human, and we might take multiple humans to do what Ellen can do by herself. Glacier has a staff of packers who supply trail crews in the backcountry for eight-day hitches or carry gear in for bat biologists or the fish crew. But for a few sections of metal pipe, Laura and Ellen can manage. Um, so there's definitely a technique to manning loads. And with practice, people can become really quick and really neat with theirs. Like you? Uh, I would not say mine is... <laughs> the prettiest. I've seen some very lovely loads come through. Packing loads on a mule is quite an art. Ever since horses and mules were domesticated thousands of years ago, people have been packing things on them. And Laura is quick to say she's no expert. I'm not a packer. I'm a ranger who happens to pack. <laughs> I learned from other experienced rangers 
I learned by going along with the packers over the years, learning from them and their different styles. But this spring I had the opportunity to go to the Nine Mile Wildlands Training Center in Missoula oh. and attended their basic packing course. And I got the opportunity to attend this thanks to the help and funding of the Glacier Conservancy, which I really appreciate. Mules are especially popular for packing because they're strong and sure-footed. Their personalities vary, but Ellen is a keeper. But mules are fun. They've got really strong personalities. Each one's very different. How would you describe Ellen's personality? She's very social. She's patient with me. You know, because I had her two years ago, so she was helping me learn. Affectionate, even. But she'll give you a look. She's like, what are you doing? Basically, Laura puts the metal pipes into boxes that look like giant dresser drawers. Ellen can carry one load on each side after Laura makes sure they weigh the same. She wraps them up in a canvas tarp called a manti, and then finally ties them onto the metal rings of the pack saddle with some elaborate rope work. Sometimes you see it in their eyes when a weird load comes over. They're like, really? You're going to put that on me? It seems straightforward enough, but it takes a lot of adjusting to get the load to sit just right. It's kind of like packing and repacking and adjusting your own giant pack for an overnight trip, except way heavier. All right, hey, 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 hey. A lot of packing seems to me to be tying and untying things. I think you got it. <laughs> Am I ready to be a ranger who packs? I think you're, ready, you're, you're a ranger packer. <laughs> Spending the day with Laura, I feel lucky to see her in action and get a glimpse of what she and her predecessors have been doing here for over 100 years. But there aren't many people who know how to do these things anymore. And I guess... Part of me is wondering, does anyone need to know how to do these things? Do these traditional skills still have a place in the modern world? How do we decide what's worth holding on to? I was reading like a book where it's like one of the tests in the application to become a ranger was, can you saddle and pack a horse properly and quickly? Um, and it was just part of like the job application and the interview process. And Everybody could ride and pack and shoe, and all of the ranger staff could, could do it because it was just a way of life out here of surviving. This isn't the case anymore, though. You see older rangers that are reaching towards the end of their careers, and the younger folks can't ride or pack, and it's something that rangers have been doing for 100 years. And so it's like, does it end now, or do people like me start learning and writing and packing. And we have a lot of young packers in the park, but um, specifically like the ranger packer. I'd argue that it's a good idea to keep these thousands of years old skills alive just because, whether it's practical or not, so we don't lose them. But for Laura, it's not just nostalgia. I value it because I get to use it, you know, day in, day out here to, to do my job and I can do my job better with these three. Because it's useful. It's like, yeah. this is the easiest way yeah. to get a bunch of heavy stuff from point A to point B yeah. if you're not going to like, get a helicopter out here, which is expensive and dangerous. It's practical, but it's also iconic. 
So it's it's that dreamy scene of, you know, the string going through the mountains, over the passes, through the valleys. Today, that was us. And it felt like a link to something I didn't know I was missing. And I get the sense that's how a lot of people feel when they come here. September 1988. I live in here with two horses and a mule. And some people would say that I'm a fool. No power, no phone, and all alone. But I say Belly River is a home. With the family and friends I've made over the time, I have precious memories that will always be mine. Written by Chris Burke for Vivi O'Shea. We get back late in the day, and Laura takes care of General Tank and Ellen before sending them off to their evening pasture. The peaks turn rosy with Alpenglow, the Nighthawks call, and Laura gives us a tour of the station, which is a functioning ranger station, of course, but is also basically a museum of Belly River history. So this is the ranger station office. We have a library, medical supplies, base station radio, the telephone doesn't work anymore. For the record, the telephone is like a 1900 telephone <laughs> with the little bells that look like eyes and the little <laughs> the receiver on the side. <laughs> I feel like I would describe this room as filled with ranger whimsy. I think that's probably accurate. <laughs> we have a typewriter that I think was used until the 90s. Maybe we'll get it back in working condition. Some fun drawings of the mules that work, worked here in the past. A photo of the old Bear Mountain Fire Lookout. And the next to it is Joe Cosley, the first Belly River Ranger. Some homes have a photo of the Pope hanging on the wall in a place of honor. The ranger station has a portrait of Joe Cosley. I do not look to him for my values and <laughs> ethics based on his actions. Um, <laughs> But uh, but he's he's an icon for here, infamous. Joe Cosley, the first Belly River Ranger, was hired under the rationale that to catch poachers, you should hire a poacher. Unfortunately, he never really stopped poaching. But that's a story for another time. We also have uh, the historic Belly River file, which has old newspaper clippings, any stories or interviews that people have done about Belly River. I feel like not every wilderness district is like this. Definitely not. It's easy to romanticize these old traditions and ways of life, but it is hard work. They always ask me, like, this is the dream job, you know, how do I get your job? But they never ask me that question when my head's inside of a pit toilet or <laughs> I'm covered in just gross mud and it's pouring down rain. And it's not just the physical challenges that can make this lifestyle tough to maintain. There are also logistical challenges to arranging your life in a way that you can do this job. And not everyone can do it. At this point in my life, I don't mind being seasonal. I like the change. I like the work. It's just harder and harder to live in this area on seasonal wages and to find housing available in the winters. Logistically, it becomes more difficult when you're trying to balance multiple jobs, multiple healthcare plans. I've had five healthcare plans in one calendar year from seasonal work. So I'd like to do this as long as possible, but who
who knows what the future holds. May 8th, 1990. It's a fine day here in Belly. I'm in for the 1990 season and glad of it. About 40 elk, four white-tailed deer, and four Canada geese on the way in, snowing the whole way. Stored shutters in the annex and caught a glimpse of the saw-wet owl in the large aspen to the east of the pasture. Fine dinner and cribbage lessons provided by Ursula. Good to be back. Chuck Cameron. The Stetson that I'm wearing is, is the hallmark of the ranger profession. I always tell them, put your hat on, that's what makes you a ranger. I always tell them, put your hat on, that's what makes you a ranger. That's what makes you a ranger. No one person can do this job forever, but you'll learn a lot if you stick around for a decade or two. And you can pass that on to the generations after you. I mean, some of the most beloved rangers of Glacier have come through Belly River and, yeah, stayed a long time. Tracy, 16 seasons. Bruce as well for a long time. Dave Shea was here. Chuck Cameron. Um, and then Joe Himes, you know, staying here through the winters. I wish they would let me do that, but I'm just a seasonal. <laughs> Definitely the people that have worked here before or currently do hold this place close to their heart. And it's something we all share. Well, and I think it's like the relationship goes both ways, too. It's not just like, I live here and it's pretty. It's like, I like I take care of this place every day. Yeah. And it takes care of me. Yeah. And I think that there are definitely people and cultures that have been like that for a long time. And I think I didn't necessarily grow up in that. And I think a lot of us didn't. I know the Park Service preserves historic buildings and objects, basically the ranger station and a lot of what's in it. But maybe it's also part of our mission to preserve ways of life and skills and traditions that, if we're not careful, might otherwise go the way of the fax machine in my office. We would lose a connection to the past and we'd lose very practical skills in what and how we manage these lands. Yeah, and it feels like this building would go from being like a living home and workspace to kind of a museum. Yeah, it's, it would just be a, a memory, yeah, a memory of the past. Or this is what it used to be like instead of, this is what we're doing now. We're still living out here. We're still ranging. I came to the belly for a peek back in time. But if Laura has her way, this might be a look forward, too. There will be other Belly River Rangers decades from now, packing mules, looking back at her entries in the logbook, and taking care of ranger business. October 4th, 1989. Final morning in the station. Mop the floor, final cleaning, cover the generator, shutters on. I guess that's it. It's been a fine season. Please take care of this place, whoever uses it. It is a unique place indeed. Radio 10-7, and I'm gone. South winds and 60 degrees at 1,200 hours. Chuck Cameron. That's our show. Headwaters is a production of Glacier National Park and is supported by the Glacier National Park Conservancy. We could not make this show without them. You can learn more about what they do at glacier.org. Headwaters is made possible with help from Lacey Kowalski, Melissa Slotik, and so many people throughout the Glacier community, especially the natural and cultural resource teams. We're grateful for all of you.
Our music this season is by the brilliant Frank Walm. The show's cover art is by our sweet friend, Stella Nall. Check out Frank and Stella's work at the links in our show notes. Special thanks this episode to Laura Funk, the whole Belly River staff, including Ellen the Mule and the trail crew for letting us use their cabin. We appreciate Chuck Cameron reading his logbook entries and the Parks Archives staff for giving us access to them. And shout out to Alex Stilson for always being willing to lend a hand. Besides sharing this episode with a friend who might appreciate it, you can help us out by leaving us a rating and review in your podcast app. Thanks for listening. In this episode, we shared a few logbook entries from Chuck Cameron, former Belly River Ranger and a mentor to Laura. Well, this year, he's retiring. He's done really incredible things, saved lives, like literally saved lives, and has meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, And I've heard a lot of rangers say, I want to be like Chuck. And that kind of gives me hope. Next time on Headwaters, we sit down with Chuck and hear about his legendary career in Glacier.